This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 25. If you're not adaptive, you're not creative, and you don't continually evolve, you absolutely unequivocally have no shot of lasting as a professional strength coach at any professional level. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield, and with me today, my guest, Steve Hess, Chief Performance Officer at Panorama Orthopedic and Spine Center up in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Also, 21 years with the Denver Nuggets in the NBA. Steve, welcome to the show. So excited to be on the show. Had a lot of practice runs. We're about to blow <laughs> yeah. this up. Yeah, we have had some technical issues. We are up here in uh, Highlands Ranch with Steve today, and we are on the fourth take. So this is going to be the best podcast that we've ever done here. <laughs> so excited, man. Um, well, thanks, Steve. I mean, again, we appreciate you being here, and you're in this great facility. Um, I think I want to first ask you, though, I mean, 21 years in the NBA, what was that like kind of, a, you know, as an overview? And I guess, you know, more, more importantly, um, how did you even get started in that, in that field? So, so the, the, the cool thing is after, you know, 21 years, um, nine general managers, uh, uh, 10 coaches, the, the initial introduction into the NBA, I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, but through my progression through the 21 years, um, you know, had to be a, adaptive, created, ha, um, ha, had to keep upgrading my system in, in order to bring a package that, that could continually work. Now, did it always work? No. Were, were there issues? Absolutely. Um, you know, you have different philosophies. Um, and here's another thing that, that, that young strength coaches have to understand. You have to have an ability uh, to sell your product uh, to your coaches. Um, and, and it's much easier to sell if it's authentic. So if you have a belief in what it is you're trying to do, uh, you can get their buy-in. But I'm just letting you know right now, if you don't have coaches buy-in, if you don't have GM buy-in, and if you don't have ownership buy-in, it's hard to run a program, uh, especially in professional sports. And then you go across the line to say, okay, got to get my trainers to buy-in, but most importantly, got to get my athletes to buy-in. So I think um, some, and again, I hate to use terms like being effective or greatness or things like that, because those are unattainable goals. But I'm saying um, being able to get my message across was um, was largely due to, I really believe over the years, I seem to have buy-in, which, which is huge. Yeah, and I think, you. I mean, people can tell they're listening. You're so passionate. Um, I think, too, when people see how passionate are, you are about something, that helps create that buy-in. But, yeah, what else? I mean, I'm sure that's one thing. What else is the kind of keys to getting people to buy into what you're talking about and what you believe in? Okay, so firstly, here's the thing. Um, How you platform your message is really, really important. So if I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, let's get this going on, that may be okay for the athletes. But if I'm having a a sudden meeting where I'm trying to explain to the coaches um, how we may want to decrease the the overall load about a specific practice, I don't know if I want to be screaming in his ear. And then when the general manager is screaming at me because two guys went down, again, I want to rearrange my message. Now, people may say, that's not being real, but I'm saying it is absolutely being real. I'm just rearranging how I give the message across. Another huge, huge thing is it's being authentic. So you have to have a knowledge base behind what it is you're saying. So what I'm saying is if you think you're right all the time and you don't research things and you don't listen to other opinions, and most of all, if you don't take into consideration the specifics of the individuals you're working with, you're gonna have issues. But again, in order to get buy-in, one of the most important things, you have to have a point of reference, you have to have an idea, but it has to be based in knowledge. So this is not stuff that you can just pull out of the sky. And um, again, we're, we're becoming more scientific, and I don't exactly know what that means, mm-hmm. but here's what I'm trying to say is, we're becoming more accountable. Um, So once you have more tools, you become more accountable for the things you do. Be accountable. Um, Take on responsibility. Don't push a responsibility anywhere else. If you're a true leader in your field, um, the buck stops with you. And again, um, take a stand. You know, don't, 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 you know, if this is my stand, these are my progressions, this is what I'm trying to do. 
keep that stand going. You're not always gonna be right, you're not always gonna be wrong, but at least it's your opinion. So here's the thing, do it your way. Because again, it makes life a lot easier because you can be authentic. Yeah, and you kind of, you know, had to sell this whole thing to the Nuggets back when you first started, right? You were working in a health club, uh, you know, got approached by the general manager. Talk about that initial story that you told us earlier. So here's the thing, man. Okay, so firstly, I lucked out to, to, to firstly, okay, to stay there for 21 years is a different gig um, because I think um, um, you, 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 you have to um, continuously upgrade. So that's it. But, but getting the position, total luck. So Alan Bristow, um, the, 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 the uh, place where I was working, I was running the um, training out of there and Alan Bristow approached me and was like, you know, um, I'm going to hire a strength coach. Um, we want to utilize your facility. He will work under you as well as a trainer. And I'm like, nah, I'm getting this job. Went home, you know, spoke to my wife. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm getting this job. My wife's like, are you crazy? Um, that's two full-time jobs. And I, and I didn't care. So, so I, I got the job after calling Alan Bristow every day for three months and Jim Gillen, who was the trainer at the time, every day for three months. So I know when they looked at the phone, they're like, man, if it's just a dude again, just hire him. Oh my gosh, just hire him. Um, but but, but my, my issue on this whole story was I gave stuff up. I worked 90 to 100 hours a week. And again, not embellishing, these are facts. Um, but it got to the point where it was running me ragged. And, and can everyone do that? I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't, but you have to give certain things up. And in order to achieve goals, you have to understand things are gonna be hard. Now, hard is a, pers- it's a perspective. If hard becomes your reality, then, then you got problems. But if this is what you do and you're passionate and this is who you are, you just make it work. Now, after a year, I remember driving home from work one day and just like saying to myself, man, I need help. I, I can't do this. And three weeks later, Alan Bristow said, we'll give you a full-time gig. Um, unbelievable opportunity, but again, took a big pay cut. But these are sacrifices. Did they work out? I really think they did. Um, but, but again, people say to me, do you have any regrets making this decision or that decision? I never, ever, ever have any regrets on anything because I'm always moving forward. So even if I make mistakes, I learn from my mistakes. Um, having regrets is a bad emotion. So what I'm saying to you, if this is a field you choose, please understand, it's not gonna look the way you think it's gonna look. But if you have a specific goal, I'm telling you, get to that goal. Do whatever, and I'm, here's the thing, these are not words, they have gotta be actions. I see all the time, I'm gonna do this and work 24. I'm saying, do it through your actions. Do what no one else is doing. Um, stay pertinent, keep studying, and understand you're never gonna get to the top of the hill, because there's no top of the hill. I love it, I love it, especially, yeah, coming from someone 21 years in the NBA, uh, and talking about how it's a continual process of learning. It's incredible. Um, so, I mean, you've probably seen everything, too, in your in your time, you know, in the NBA, right? Now we've got this technology boom. When you first started, I mean, guys didn't even really like to train, right? So talk about a little bit about that, that spectrum that you've seen in, in, uh, in professional sports. Um, so, so again, like my, the premise, the, the ingrain of what is me is um, I love, uh, you know, I love getting guys better for performance. So you have to look within yourself and say, what is, what is your angle, so to speak? That all being said, if I did what I did my first few years, like I remember having Tony Batie squat 315 before a game, probably wouldn't do that again. Um, is that the worst or best thing? I'm, I'm just saying through my research and where I'm at right now, probably wouldn't do it. Um, And again, do I have regrets? No, not really, because if you do all you can ethically with the knowledge you have, you can't really have regrets, that's all you know. But that being said, things advance. I still have a basic philosophy that everything in, in, in my mind, and again, I got a lot of learning to do. I'm gonna peak at 70. I got 20 years just to peak. Um, live to 120, but that's a whole nother story. But here, here's my view. So, so within technology, um, you're getting a lot of information. It's really important what you do with the information. I still have a deep-rooted desire uh, and belief that everything is based in strength. 70% 
of our system is a muscular system. Um, if you're increasing blood, and I, I'm just a huge believer in that. So, so and that's still my belief. Now, what technology gives us is it gives us a really big picture on specific loads. Now, how accurate is that? Um, is it way more accurate than, let's say, just RPEs? If we're going to integrate heart rates, um, how accurate is that? Utilizing VO2 maxes um, and then specific heart rates according to the VO2 maxes, utilizing the GPS and catapult system. How you know you got to ascertain this, and then how do we simplify it? How do we take the message across? Not utilizing in-game data um, to see how 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 much the guys are moving um, in the X and Y axis. Uh, practice we can determine how many jumps, how many max jumps. Is that pertinent? How are we going to use the data? Some people are coming away from GPSs. Now we have the ability to utilize force plates, biomechanical analysis um, through camera systems, which is amazing. Um, but but, but that, that it determines the what is functioning or misfunctioning. What do you do with the information? Does it actually help you? Can we utilize manual testing? These are things you got to think through. Everyone's looking for the exact way to do it. All I'm saying, the cool thing that I love about technology, it gives you more information. I'm saying, yo, give me the information. Make my life miserable <laughs> so I can decipher through it and come up with a more educated plan. Is that plan going to look so freaking different than I thought it would? No, absolutely not. And do I absolutely, can I go to a desert island and train an athlete with nothing? Yes, I can. Can everyone? No, they can't. They say they can. So if you're relying on the technology, you got a problem. But if you're using it to help emphasize or help you as a piece, you're good. So if it's a piece, you're good. But if it becomes a reliance, you got issues. So I love technology. Bring it all on. Make my life miserable. And I'm in. <laughs> That's huge. Now, it's a great point, too, about being able to take what you need from it to do your job better. Um, so that that's created a whole nother level of doing your job more. You mentioned the first year working a couple different jobs, nine to a hundred hours. I know that the MBA life is not that much less than 90 to a hundred hours. Probably when you're talking about in season stuff, how do you maintain having a wife, having kids work life balance, all of these things and still being such a professional level at your job? Okay, so I don't believe in balance, and, 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 and I'm not balanced, and I've got an unbelievable family um, that, that I look look upon, again, a family unit that my wife um, knew what she was getting, and it's not balanced, and it's to the extreme, and I go to bed at night, and my eyes are fluttering because I'm thinking about stuff, and I wake up like the coyote roadrunner, legs are turning um, and, and honestly, you can call me at four in the morning, I'm ready to do a workout, two in the morning, it doesn't matter. So I'm, I'm not a, now, do I think I could be balanced? Yes. So here's where I think this, this, this whole misconception comes in. Um, the misconception um, of, of in, and these again, please understand in this podcast, these are my opinions. They're just my opinions. They could be, they're just opinions. But, but, but what I'm seeing like what success is, is what, <coughs> is what you have. I'm saying it's not what you have, it's what excites you, what intrinsically makes you tick what like like do you wake up loving every minute of what it is you do are you happy that's a question you have one responsibility make yourself happy because i'm telling you i don't care like if you want to go um, impart the, these amazing uh, this amazing ability to change lives if you're not happy you can't do it so I, i'm going to give you guys some huge huge advice when a prospective athlete comes to you and asks you how you feel do not give him an array of your problems. Because if I asked you how you feel and you gave me an array of your problems, I would never come to see you. Because if you can't fix your own problems, how am I gonna let you fix mine? So that's another whole nother story. So how did I balance my life? I didn't balance my life and my life continues not to be balanced. So I've taken on another direction where it's an amazing, um, uh, um, I'm running a whole conglomerate of um, people all working together with one goal, get the athlete better, but using people way, way smarter than me. And you know, um, you know, under the, you know I, I still wanna be at work four in the morning, get home 11 at night, and my wife's like, really? And I'm like, it's just this, this, I'm genetically engineered to do what I do. So if you're looking at balance, I think people should be better balanced than me, but I'm a terrible, terrible example of balance. So so that, that I can just go from my perspective. Right. No, and I think it's a good point. We talked about earlier that, you know, 
if you truly love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So, you know, for you, that's, that's what it is. It's all the time. Um, talk a little bit too, you know, you've got this cool new, uh, job here as chief performance officer, you've owned health clubs before you've run health clubs. Uh, you know, cause I think a lot of people listening to might, might be interested in doing some of the things like that you're doing now or some of the things you've done in the past. So talk to us a little bit about um, those other opportunities you've had a chance to be part of. So here's the thing. As a conditioning expert or strength coach or a performance expert or um, whatever, however, or, or coach, I'm respectful of all of those titles. Um, here's the thing. you got to understand, you. this is your life. Um, they're, they're no, you know, people told me you can do this and you can't do this. And, you know, if you're authentic in your beliefs, do as much as you possibly can. You know, everything I've done, I've done because I'm excited and I'm passionate and I want to touch as many lives as I possibly can. I've absolutely unequivocally never financially been motivated. Have I ever worried about money? Listen, talk to my wife. I don't even know how much I make. Um, my wife, which is, she, she, she gets a chance. It's, it's crazy and it's irresponsible. And I'm, again, again, these are my opinions. Please do not even come close to doing what I do because, but, but all I'm saying is I just do what I do. So when I, when I create a, a, a 50,000 square foot health club, it's more the people around me are helping me do this. This new venture right there, right now, it's a vision where I truly want to integrate um, different systems so it's true continuum training where there's progression and regression but we talk about regression you know i got people way way smarter and better in specific fields so when an athlete comes in or um, even someone just trying to get better in life we got one objective get you better with the best possible way we can if it's the integration of our amazing orthopedic surgeons or physical therapists or return to activity specialists or a chiropractor it doesn't matter that's my vision right now but would i have been able to do this um, right at the beginning no everything i've done in my life has set me up for this point where i can have somewhat of an intelligent conversation with an uh, orthopedic surgeon now they're way 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 smarter and way more educated than me it's not what i'm saying but i can be in the room and half the time i'm in the room with people so much smarter than me and so much better i'm like this is the coolest thing how did i get you but here's the thing no one's better than me no one is better than me because while i may be replaceable i'm not repeatable so i have this um i have this vision in my head where i don't have doubt so whatever I choose to do, I understand it's not about me. It's about the people's lives that I touch. That's my authenticity. That's my drive. And then I'm not worried about how everything else is going to fall into place. But I have a plan. I have a vision. I stay researched. And I keep studying all the freaking time. I love that. I love what you said because uh, Cal Dietz always said... Uh, if you ever find out you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room, right? <laughs> uh, you've had a lot of people you've worked with. You've worked with different coaches. Um, what are some of the, who are some of the coaches that have influenced you the most, whether it be in training or, you know, coaches you've worked with through the NBA, uh, all, any of the above? People have had a big influence on you and how, how has that shaped you? So here's the thing, you know, um, every coach... Every day, um, every time I meet someone new, I take something positive from them. So I'm that guy that goes into a facility um, and, and I don't look what someone's doing wrong. I try to see what they're doing right. And, and I try to learn um, and I speak to young coaches because they got this excitement and passion and the, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I speak to older coaches that are even some, that are somewhat cynical and have been around because I want to get their views. So to say one person, um, you know, set the path of where I'm going would not be realistic. There's certain people that stick out, you know, uh, a gentleman by the name of Robin Pound who worked for the Phoenix Suns just kept it real, um, you know, and had a Navy SEAL sign above the weight room saying the only easy day was yesterday, you know, and I would go in there and Robin would 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 smack on me every day like you know weights are lighter at altitude and he would give me 15 studies and mm -hmm. you know um you know he challenged me the whole time the, the thing i love about robin kept it real 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 and did it his way um and, and in the nba it's like uh, i love dudes that have the ability to say look 
I don't know if I'm going to be here forever, but while I'm here, I'm doing it, and it may not be right, and it may not be wrong, but I'm going to do it my way. You know why? Because here's the thing. If you're authentic in your approach, you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. So you can wake up every day and be who you are a lot easier than pretending to be someone else. So I've got, a, 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 I've got an energy button. Listen, man, that's who I am. Now, it doesn't work for everyone. If you're gonna to pretend to have that energy button, good luck. And if I'm gonna be pretend to be you know, subdued and um, you know, you know, take a different, it's just not who I am. Both work. I'm just saying be who you are. And those are the guys who really motivated me through my journey, my 21 years. Yeah, and that's gotta be. You've, you've also had an opportunity to work uh, now with a lot of people under you and mentor a lot of people. What are some key, areas or things that you look for uh, in hiring assistants or you know if you're going to have interns what are the keys to success so my uh, my first assistant rich uh, i think spent 11 years with the clippers um, when i hired him um, he bought a, a basketball perspective way way better than mine i remember when um Jeff Bazdilic would have Rich run with the players and Rich would miss, miss a shot. Jeff would mess around and say, um, Rich, man, you can't miss those shots. Rich would be in the next morning. F listen, again, these are real life stories, four o'clock practicing his shot. Mm. So he bought a, a perspective way, way better than mine. Second assistant, Matt Freer with the Hornets. My guy's an athletic trainer, brings a different approach. Um, then Carlos worked for me at Forza, uh, played, um, you know, had an opportunity to play in the NBA, better than me. Felipe, who's now the head strength coach for the Denver Nuggets, um, you know, has a different look. Uh, again, a six foot six basketball player, has a whole different perspective. Everyone I hire has things I don't have and are better, than, not kind of better, way better than me in certain aspects and I look to that so I can grow and I want to diversify my programming so I don't want to hire clones of myself I want to hire all I all I everyone I hire is going to be better than me because I hire people that are better than me um, I look for people that, are, that, 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 that can be great um, and hopefully I have a, a, an opportunity to have some part in something that they do but that's not my goal my selfish goal is like I want to hire you to make our program better because this program is it's not about me and it's not about you, it's about the athlete. So if I bring this, what do you bring to make our athlete better? And that's how I hire my assistants. That's awesome, that's, that's, a, lot, that's a common theme from some of the, who I consider great coaches that I've talked to, I've always, always said that. They, they hire the people that fill out those parts of them that they're not necessarily the best at to make it a complete whole and make it better overall. So, so great to hear it. Um, You've, you've got a great reputation, you know, across all different uh, aspects of strength and conditioning, the field. How do you build up your network and how do you how do you network with other people and get people to know you and get them you to know them? You know, how does that happen? So firstly, Scott, uh, you know, I, I love this opportunity um, to create a platform um, where I'm not going over my exact philosophy. So, so this is just an interaction where, again, um, it, it's so open. Um, we, we're, we're just, between you and I, we're just putting some ideas out there. And then for all the listeners to take these ideas and say, okay, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. All that kind of sounds okay, but to make them their own, I, I think is really, really important. So, so my basic belief on all of that is, is being authentic to who you are and not worrying about getting it out there. Because I think now, especially with social media, I'm seeing a trend where people are trying too hard to get it out there and they're spending too much time making sure the videos look good and not enough time on the actual coaching or getting their athletes or whoever it is better. So what I'm saying to you is be authentic in your approach. Understand the field you have chosen, if you've truly chosen this field, and if you had, get, get ready because it's going to take you 15 years before you come relevant. I'm just letting you know how it is and it shouldn't even matter because on, on your journey, you're going to make such a difference in people's lives 
It's ridiculous. So you got a 15-year-old athlete over there and you teach him to move better and you're able to distinguish malfunctions within the system and you can get his glute med max, maybe his iliacus psoas all firing better and then you throw it into a movement pattern and you watch him move better, you're like, oh my God, if that doesn't excite you, nothing will ever excite you. But that's what's gotta excite you. It's not about branding yourself. And then what ends up happening is it doesn't matter who loves or hates what you do. Again, it's about that person. I'm authentically trying to get everyone better in every part of life. So once you get, I got one goal, make this person better. I don't care if you're a 55 year old who just wants to feel better, or if you're 12 and wanna be a world-class, I don't care what it is you wanna do. I have one goal to make you to make you better. And that's been my progression through the whole thing. The rest of the stuff is just better. You know, when I meet someone and they're like, um, you know, how did you get your brand going? I'm like, this is not a conversation we should have. This is not about anyone's brand or what you got going or, here's the other thing too. Instagram's not re not real. Facebook's not real. Oh my gosh, Twitter is not real. I love posting positive stuff on there. That's not who I am. I, again, I love to just get message. And, and again, the only thing I take off there is positive stuff. There's some videos I post on there. You look at the athlete's movement. You're like, that's his drive skill. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's real. You know, and that's what excites me, getting positive information off there. But it's not real. So if you have 24 million followers and that authenticates who you are, you may want to re-look at who you are. So I'm saying the realness comes out of a selfless action to get people better. Then you're in the right field, and then I promise you, and the thing is, don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to fail. Take these crazy, crazy, crazy steps where you're gonna do these amazing things, and, and then just let, let this back work hard. Don't expect them to fall in place. Yeah, that's so cool. That's Love what you said because so many people use social media and it's just the everything good, right? There's no nobody sharing the bad stuff that happened to them or the the really sad days. Oh, 100%. Like I'm like like I'm having a conversation with my wife, and again I'm human, so it's like but but I'm really not. I'm actually an alien warrior from now. But but now I'm human, so there's a specific thing where and I, and my thing is I hate judging as well because. Anyway, but, but here's my thing, is like, I'm looking at a perspective of an individual and I'm like, wow, I didn't know, you know, this and that's going on. And, and, and again, then I stopped to think, no, it's not. You know this individual. So it's yeah. like, and again, you know, if you can put it in a positive, positive light, do what, what it is you want to do, but understand it's not real. Right. It's not real. How you, how you affect people, how you make them feel, um, how you adjust their lives um, and make them feel without you is really, really important. It's really important. That's huge. I think I've gotten a good idea just from talking to you too, but if we ask some of your former players, you know, what it was like to, to be coached by you, what do you think they would tell us about playing for Steve Hess and being trained by Steve Hess? Simple energy. So it doesn't, like like what I'm saying is, and here's where you're looking at progressions, you know, you have a, a preparation to perform, you're getting guys ready for a practice, and you've had um, four games in five nights, and coaches calling a practice on the sixth day, and you're in New York, and no one wants to be there, and um, you have the specific, um, load that you want to create and you have this how you how to, how you warm up and i hate calling it a warm-up but for simplicity right now we'll do that dude i do talk a lot so i apologize but here we're gonna roll back so you have this vision in your head and three of the dudes walk in and they just don't want to be there you got to turn it around and you, here's the thing a lot of times it's like you half dead too right, you haven't right. even you don't want to be it's not about you so you got to find a way to platform it so they buy in why because if they don't prepare correctly they're not getting the engine primed. And that's another thing too, which I'll go into as well. So they're not getting the engine primed, it makes them more susceptible to injuries yeah, in yeah. practice. Yeah. So you have to get them to buy in. So you gotta readjust your philosophy. But if you can't get that energy going right now, you're done. Yeah. Now is that energy always pertinent? There's some times where some people would argue we just want like a quiet time. I had guys like saying, look, man, look, we will win the next game if you just, just give us the cues. Mm -hmm. But don't add the rest of the stupid stuff. Um, the other thing is we've got to take ourselves less seriously. Um, I think as coaches, there are times, you know, we're coaching, and especially with the younger ages, we're, we're trying to create young men and a young woman where, you know, but, but, but sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously. And we think um, ours is the only way. I've got news for everyone. There are a million different ways. And if you don't inject, inj interject other ways, you're going to have issues. 
But on the platform of what it is you're trying to create, you still have to have a plan and you still have to make it about them. So again, when you go back and speak to all our athletes, um, they're all gonna say, they're all gonna say, look, the thing is he bought it. He bought it and that's what, what I think is hugely important to me. That's cool, man. Uh, I, I love that. Um, so what kind of, what types of things over your career have you come to understand more deeply? Or you know, have you thought maybe more about that you needed to understand more deeply? So um, as my career has progressed, um, I've, hu- I've made a huge transformation into understanding that whatever abnormal, whatever I create, I'm responsible for. So whatever I'm gonna have an athlete do, I'm responsible for that athlete. So how I'm gonna load him, um, I need to understand exactly how and when I'm loading him and why I'm loading him. So there's a lot more accountability as I've progressed through my, so it used to be, it was kind of cool, man. When I first started this, I remember I was 18 years old. Um, my dad lived in London. So um, I'd go back, I went to Ithaca College, oh, great school. If I didn't go there, I would have failed out because I was like, I'd reached the motherland coming to America, mm-hmm. best place on earth. But we had small classes and I loved it. But I go back to London um, and I put backpacks, excuse me, weights in my backpack, ride to clients' houses, and I just smash. Man, I was so excited to just kill people. So that's all I did. That's all I did 24-7 was just smash on people. No accountability, man. I'm, I was some of my ladies, oh, we're going to get our glutes right. I would lunge them for 40 minutes. And if they couldn't get, get go to the restroom, couldn't get off the restroom or couldn't walk for a week, I'm like, unbelievable workout. They're like, unbelievable workout. That is not a good workout. <laughs> or if my dudes threw up, oh, that is the best. Or my ladies threw up, what a great work. They were like, this is the best. Now I understand, okay, hold up. Um, you know, their progressions. What is it we're trying to do? Are we regress- regressing, progressing? Where in the system is this? Um, is that muscle shut down? So a lot more accountability. The other huge thing I've learned um, is um, I got to integrate other people's opinions because there are a lot of people way, 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 way smarter than me and I don't know I can't use the the, the S word. I don't know enough to think that I know it all. So if I don't integrate other opinions, I'm going to slap myself. So now I don't integrate other opinions. I listen. I don't kind of say I'm listening. I really do listen. Um, I I, I learn from it. And then I I, I try and assimilate it and make it my own. That's it. Bruce Lee's uh, method, right? (laughs) Take a little bit out of everybody. Um, You've definitely seen... uh, you know, everything, again, being in the NBA for 21 years. Um, what are roadblocks that strength coaches need to watch out for, whether that's professionally or personal life? You know, what are some things that if you could say to a younger Steve, you know, man, you got to you got to be aware of this. OK, so what I would say to a younger Steve is uh, firstly, um, don't take it so personally. That's what I would say to younger Steve, because I would take everything so personally that, that issues now that affect me, now they still affect me. Oh, I'm not changing who I am. I'm cool with who I am. But now they affect me for 10 minutes, it would affect me for three weeks. So to me, that's evolution. But I would say don't take it personally. The other thing is, all you can do is your absolute best. And it's cliched, but that's all you can do. Um, the, the, the other thing that I'd say to a younger Steve as well is, have fun in every aspect of it. Control what you can control. And the most important thing that I would absolutely unequivocally say to a younger Steve, and which I'm just now starting to be able to really, really do, friggin' be in the moment. Mm. Take every, and, and I'm not just, you know, and that's another thing. I'm not a huge, and I do them, but I'm not a huge believer in words because what people use words and quotes because they don't think through the process and make it their belief. That, but, but anyway, back to this being in the moment. Every situation you're in is an amazing situation, but we're so busy thinking of the biggest situation, we lose sight of the situation we're in. So what I would do to the younger Steve is, that firstly, I would slap him hard. <laughs> so I've got his attention. Now I've got his attention, and I'm like, listen to me. You're not going to do this forever. You don't want to do this forever. You want to progress. You want to do other stuff. Be in the moment. Take now. Some of the some of the stuff you're going to be in, you're going to hate because it's going to be really, really challenging. Still, be in that moment. That would be my biggest, biggest, biggest message. That's huge. That's so great too, especially with 
the social media Insta gratification, thinking about posting your next picture. Uh, no, I love that advice. Being let, me, let, me, let, me, let me go on that, Scott. So yeah, here's yeah. what we do. Like, like, like my kid, Corey and Jordan, they'd be like, Dad, you can't post at this time. You're not going to get, these are the times to post. <laughs> and then it's like, no, you can't take this picture. It's of your food, too many pictures of your food. I'm like, are you for real? So, so per your point, people go out, I'm going to go out to see the pictures I can get to post them. Look, right. look, it's to the point, as I say, uh, Honestly, and again, I'm running a business and I love this business. I love what we're doing over there. But it's to the point, like, really, it means nothing to my life. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm a happy. I love my life. It's got yeah. nothing to do with Instagram, Twitter, or, or Facebook. Yeah. And if you get excited when your followers go up, you may want to reevaluate your principles. Yeah. yeah, you might need to take a break, man, because I know, I know. We're old. We we know what it was like before there was social media, right? Like some oh, some people now, they're not gonna know what it was like not having social media. One of my one of my dear dear friends posted a picture the other day of the um, old weight set which you put together, yeah. and the and, and then started talking about the cement weights and you know and I'm like yeah I had them all yeah. and I'm like yeah we, we I, I remember um, graduating uh, I, I drove from New York to Florida with 20 bucks and no phone. So I was like, I'm like, and the, the, uh, that was like normal to me. Oh, right, and right. one of my tire was bald as well in a beret. Anyway, so just different, just different times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've seen a lot of changes in the profession too. And the, you know, the coach strength and conditioning coaching has become a real profession. What sort of challenges do you foresee, uh, if you see any, in the in kind of us as a profession these days? So excited, big big profession. I mean, I you know when I went into the NBA, um, not every team had a strength coach, and then um, like you know then then I kind of felt that. Uh, uh, you know, strength coaches were on the bottom of the of the heap. Then they started building up, and coaches started listening. Um, now it's getting to the point, though. We've uh, you know again, um, you know, we're going a lot into the sports science, and there's a lot of um, prehab and rehab, and, and I love the integration of some of you know of, of the whole thing. But we can't lose sight of what it is that we do. We get athletes better. Now we have a deeper knowledge, and again, the strength coaches today way smarter than I ever thought I could be. I love, like my my strength coaches over. Yeah, I talk to them. It's like, I'm like, damn, I'm learning stuff every day. Um, that all being said, it's a real, real pro profession, but you're accountable. Um, and, and in order to be accountable, you have to stay upgraded. You have to, you have to do specific certifications, continuing education, not for the letters, but those are important too. Yeah. So, so again, if you want to work in professional sports as a strength and conditioning coach, you're going to have to have the CSCS. Uh, I'm just letting you know how it is. So that, that that's you have to have that. Now, every certification you get, you need to really be present when you get it. Don't go through the motions. Um, and I'm not saying you have to agree with everything, right. but you have to learn from everything. Right. So whatever you freaking study, learn. Yeah. Because you may get some pieces. Look, look, there's some of the stuff I'm studying right now I should have done before. I don't care. The stuff I'm learning is amazing. Do I agree with all of it? Absolutely not. And some of the stuff I'm like, I totally disagree with. But there's other stuff I really, really agree with. But I have 31 years of experience. And I have 21 years in the pressure cooker. Yeah. Now, when you're in professional sports, here's the difference. Uh, now, people don't see this. Not all glamorous. Yeah, yeah. We're in Minnesota, and it's 23 below freezing. Yeah. Um, and it's 4 a.m. in the morning, and we just lost the game, and we flew in there. Who do you think's tagging bags? We're tagging bags. Yeah. We're throwing them on the truck. So, and then we. So it's not like you know, it's it's not like it looks on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> and Facebook. And, and there are other times as well. You know, there are times where you know I've had my general manager call me up and listen. The profanity is used. I don't, if, if I and and I take stuff personally because I'm really proud of right, what I yeah. do. So so I'm I'm just letting you know um, it, it's not all it's cut out to be. But if you have a perspective and this is who you are, and it's truly what you're made up of, you can handle anything. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you touched on it a little bit, but one of the other things I like to ask are what are some of the common myths or misconceptions about being a professional strength coach? So the biggest, um, you know, the biggest myth about 
being a, a professional strength coach is all of a sudden um, you're equated to the athlete somehow. Mm. Like all of a sudden you've reached this tier of like you're the best. Let, let me explain something to people. And this is, you better get this right now. And I'm generalizing. But again, the cool thing about this podcast, it's opinions. So I can say whatever I want to say. But generally speaking, when you're looking at professional athletes, it's not that they move from A to B the most effectively. They have way more compensation patterns. So generally speaking, the pool of people that you're getting, you can drop from a building and you may not explode everything. Now you have a 96-year-old who has multiple sclerosis and lacks dorsiflexion or his halicus can't move. And just by getting that two degrees of motion over there, you helping him walk. But if you do anything wrong, you're going to shut everything down. What's harder to train? So sometimes we skew our visions of what training's about. The cool thing about professional athletes is you're accountable and it's largely... Again, it's just the way it is. But in the professional realm, it's wins, losses, and, and how you are able to keep people on the field. And in the strength and conditioning realm, you have to do that. People are under the misconception like it's like, it's all good. Uh, and they're, they're, I'm just letting you know, if you don't have a thick skin and you don't have an ability um, to think through um, some of the toughest situations, you absolutely unequivocally cannot last. If you don't have an opinion, cannot last. If you don't have a way to platform your message, can't last. If you don't have buy-in from your athletes, your general manager, your coach, your owner, can't last. These are people, you, people just think it just happens. Now, here's the cool thing. It's the same as life. The same people that are gonna be successful in life are gonna be successful in professional sports. So what I'm saying to you, one of the best messages I can tell you um, to disassemble any myths you may have about the professional realm. Now, here's the thing. I love, like, I, I, I remember, like, I'd be sitting in the stands looking at the athletes that shoot around after I prepared them, and I'd pinch myself. I'd like, how did I get you? Mm. I'm with genetics, freak of nature, that bastard. I'm so excited to be here. How am I even here? So I, it's a, a most amazing thing. But here's the thing. If you're not adaptive, you're not creative, and you don't continually evolve, you absolutely unequivocally have no shot of lasting as a professional strength coach at any professional level. That's huge. That, that's also kind of, that was one of my questions is what kind of, what's a key thing that you just named a bunch of them of why people don't make it? Because you've seen so many people probably come and go too, you know, and, you know, guys like you and, Dwight Dobb and Bill Ferran, these people that have had 20 plus year careers, um, have, have been able to, you know, supersede coaches getting fired and different general managers. So it's just, it's awesome to see. Um, but let me, let me, so, let me, so yeah, let me, Bill Ferran, let me tell you about Bill Ferran. Yeah. Every day he's excited to learn. I've watched his weight room progress. Um, every time I go to Miami, I'm excited to talk to him yeah. um, on, on his views, his ability to in, integrate sports science. Dwight Dodds, one of my favorite people on the whole planet. Uh, his integration of biomechanical muscular skeletal system. Um, I'm going to utilize him here. I mean, the, these are um, so so. And I was with Dwight. I was with those cats right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, not not Bill because he's so much older than me. He was there like 40 <laughs> years before me. Um, but Dwight's still a lot older than me. But but again, it's the same as like you know even Dwight's son, amazing right. strength and conditioning coach. But but these are things because they continually upgrade. So everything I'm saying to you, but. but but the other thing that makes them, here's the thing that makes them unbelievable. Here's what makes them unbelievable. It's who they are. Yeah. They're excited about this yeah. profession. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're the, it's the same level of excitement day one as year 21 from those guys. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying to you is they, they who now, if you put Bill Ferrant and me in the room at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, Bill's way better than me, but two different personalities. Right. Two right. different personalities, yeah. and they're two total different extremes of the continuum. Yeah. And I think Bill's done an amazing, amazing, amazing job. And I've done an okay job. <laughs> to do so within that realm, there's a lot. But the one common thing we have, we live for this field. Yeah. Dwight's the same way. Yeah, true passion. Yeah, like you said, just it, it supersedes everything. Um, you've done a lot of other cool stuff, uh, speaking, clinics, 
writing, all these different experiences. You've been doing a little bit more writing for uh, the NSCA Coach Journal. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been writing about and you know why that's been important to you to kind of give back by talking about what you're doing through writing. So firstly, the NSCA, when they come to me, it's like uh, um, I read some of the uh, uh, articles in there and I'm like, damn, I got work to do. So the only reason I actually write for them is um, I think I have a little bit to give back, uh, which excites me. But here's why it, I hate writing. I'm the worst <laughs> writer ever. And if you saw my first draft, oh, yeah. you, I write like I talk. So it's a run on and it's like this total excitement where when like my kids read it, they're like, dude, we can't understand one word you're trying to say. And I'm like, you don't? You really don't? So, but, but what it does is it makes me sit down and really try and think through the process and try and put on paper what it is I'm thinking, which is really, really challenging for me. Um, but, but, but what it helps me do, and, and I think the NSCA does a really good job of creating a, a broad spectrum of different views that you can incorporate. Um, so it helps, here's the thing, it's the same as when you're, when you're presenting or you're teaching, you better know your stuff because it's gonna be shot down. So I selfishly write for them and I'm so glad that they incorporate me in any way, shape or form because it helps me get better, understand the stuff I'm trying to put out there. Now, everything I do write legitimately comes from the heart. So I'm not putting out there anything to increase my, to, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not trying to brand myself, I'm not trying to sell anything. All I'm trying to create is this idea that, that this field that we're in is so freaking amazing that if you gain this knowledge from a, a vast array of people, you'll understand you know very little, yeah. like I do. Yeah. And I, I made this point before, the more you know, the least you're gonna realize you know, and you're just gonna become more and more accountable. This holds me to be more accountable. And then Matt hits me up, this is the deadline, and I'm like, freaking rally. And then he'll hit me back, your first draft sucks. And I'm like, freaking rally. So it holds me accountable. And, and I do it because I love the platform, and it makes me better, and, and I'm hopefully giving back. The other thing is as well, I think we have an obligation to give back to our younger, younger professionals, but authentically give back. Yeah. Not give back so we're worried about what they're gonna say about us, but give back so we can actually help them. Yeah, no, I love what you said about that too because uh, I've written a couple things in this past year and I was also presenting on that topic a couple times this year and from the process of writing about it, I was getting better at talking about it because I just understood it better. I was able to articulate it better. It just made the entire, I was like, man, this presentation, because normally I do presentation, I'm like, oh my God, that sucked, right? But like, uh -huh. I'm like, wow, this was actually not half bad by the time I get done doing it and I wrote an article. So uh, I think that's a huge part, like you said, aside from the giving back part. And sometimes, I don't know about you, for me too, it's something, right, that we're, maybe we see missing, like, um, we're kind of identifying maybe a problem or some area that's missing in the field that we can we can lend some credibility to or lend our insight to and to be able to put that back in to help. So you're hundred you're you're a thousand percent right. And and here and here here's my whole thing. So here here's the issue I uh, the issue I have. The one issue that I do have is um, I don't think I think we're too comfortable. So I think and, and that's one thing. Like I just said. This makes me uncomfortable. Writing makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not what I do, but I do it for the sole reason it makes me uncomfortable. I'll, pre I'll present it two years ago to Parks and Recreation, motivational presentation. Yeah. Why? I don't, because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I presented my master's thesis um, on bone mineral density to a bunch of physicians. Mm -hmm. Every single person in the room was so much smarter than me, like a, a doc at the end stands up and asks me a four minute question, and I'm keeping it real. I didn't understand one word he said in the question. So at the end of the question, I said, can you repeat it? And he was like, oh, forget it. So I'm like, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. But all I'm saying is I don't think we do that enough. I think it's strength and conditioning experts or performance experts, we like to stay in our comfort realm. What ends up happening in that comfort realm, you don't grow. So I'm saying get out of your comfort realm. You just said it. You know, it's like get out of your comfort realm. Do do stuff that scares you because that's the stuff that makes you learn. Yeah, I love it. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, cool. I've got a, a few other questions, kind of my go-to questions I like to ask kind of as we wrap things up. Um, first one, any three 
people, or up to three, living, dead, or fictional characters that you would have liked to have uh, dinner or drinks with? Nelson Mandela, absolutely, unequivocally, what he went through and what he, uh, what, what he aspired to, he got to have a sixth sense of belief. Unbelievable. Uh, Gandhi, without a doubt, and um, probably Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice. And then there are two people that I would add to the list. One who I've had extensive dinners with, one is Stan Kroenke, because I think he's a savant in the field. And the other one who I've spent some time with, but I have a huge admiration, uh, he's an assassin, is Kobe Bryant. I think the dude's a freaking assassin. So I, I may have to buy him dinner because I, I do feel like that dude's, uh, he, he's got a switch. Yeah. I want a key to that switch. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> How about if you were uh, at the same point career-wise in a totally different career path, your career went, what would you be doing if it wasn't this? Not even close. If I was smart enough, not <laughs> even close. I want to be an orthopedic surgeon, man. Not a, just, just the ability. Uh, and again, my only, my only issue with that is I worked at a, at a hospital in Zimbabwe after I graduated for six weeks and, and that, it was challenging for me. But I think like if, a, if, a, if I was smart enough, orthopedic surgeon, that'd be sick. Very cool, yep. very cool. Um, cool, and this is my kind of favorite question, but I like to know what people, uh, what coaches really are passionate about too. But if you had a magic wand and you could get rid of any coaching practice, no one would ever be able to do it again, what would you banish from coaching? Assumptions. Assuming this is how my program has to look without looking at the athletes. Um, so I think we've become so preoccupied. Well, we've become so enamored with the fact that we're so smart. A lot of times our programming, and let's keep it real, is pre-existing in our heads before we even see our athletes. So we say we're going we're gonna to cater the program to the athletes, but it's not. So I'm like, don't pre-program your head of how this program's gonna look. Make sure the athlete is deciding how the program's gonna look. So, so I'd say pre-program, throw that shit out. I love it, I love it. Um, awesome, well we appreciate you. How about, how can people reach out to you if they want to uh, connect with you? So the best way, the best way for them to connect to me, I would give my cell phone number, but I've made that mistake <laughs> before. Not going to do it. Um, the best way to connect, and I, again, I hate to do this, but I, but I'm really good at it, is follow me on Instagram and make reference to this podcast, and I'll follow you back. And then you can direct message me. Um, again, it simplifies. Uh, the, I, I'm excited. You, or you could do that. Nah, Instagram's the best way to do. Um, it, it just simplifies it. I'm excited about young strength and conditioning coaches. Um, I'm excited about learning from them as well. Um, but but it, it deciphers through the, the process where I'm not getting thousands of calls. Yeah. So again, yeah. Just hit me up on Instagram. Ah, cool. Had it come out. Very cool. All right. We'll see, you might see us on the gram later today. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate, I appreciate you it. being on, Steve. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.